0: Down. load of things ain't been the blues walk Hello and welcome to another episode of Fundamentals, the podcast that explores pop culture one conversation at a time. I am your host, Harley. On this episode, I'm joined by a returning guest to the podcast, a now award-winning returning guest to the podcast. It is host of the Proper Mental podcast, Tom Davis. Tom was kind enough to return to the podcast with a truly fascinating and iconic television show, The Sopranos. It's one of those shows that's popped up a few times in my various conversations with people on this podcast, so I was really happy to have Tom reach out to me and have a really interesting discussion about it. It is something that I have still not seen, but I am aware of its cultural impact, and obviously we go into spoilers because at this point it is a show that's been off the air for nearly 20 years, so yeah, just bear that in mind going into this discussion but it is a wonderful discussion. Of course, Tom is a fantastic guest, as you will know from listening to his Oasis episode and his appearance on the Star Wars mega episode that I did last year, both of which are worth checking out, of course. It really is a wonderful conversation that I get to have with Tom once again on this podcast. We dive into the characters, into the setting, the controversial ending, the impact and legacy that it's had, and so much more. So, without further ado, let's get to it. This is The Sopranos with Tom Davies. Hello Tom and welcome back to The Fundamentals Podcast.
1: Oh mate, it's good to be back. Yeah, I think um, that was probably about a year ago maybe that we did that one maybe?
0: It was, yeah. Last time you were here, you were talking about Oasis and you were not yet an award-winning podcast but now you are now you are you're here as an award-winning podcast so it's really I am. good to have you back on yeah
1: oh mate yeah thank you you know maybe it was talking about oasis that gave me that little push push over the edge maybe yeah.
0: maybe i'm just glad you've you've uh, stepped down from those heights to to grace me with your presence once more <laughs> mate not at
1: all not at all
0: it's good and and you're here with a, another really interesting topic one that i've wanted to talk to to people about um And that is The Sopranos. Now, I'm going to say up top, I have not seen this. Wow. But it's it's on my list. There's a big, long list of things I need to catch up with. But I'm more than aware of the premise, the characters, and even the very controversial ending, which I'm sure we'll get to. Um, So I just want to kick us off. Yeah, what was your introduction to
1: this show? I suppose when it came out, it was kind of unmissable, really. I think it was about 99 it came out, but I don't know if it came to the UK in that year or not. Um, and it would have been like terrestrial telly. So ninety nine, I would have been uh, eighteen, nineteen, something like that. And that's like, yeah. that's a good age to be interested in. I'd probably not long discovered like Goodfellows and Casino and, you know, watching uh, The Godfather and probably having a bit of a, like a gangster phase. And then this yeah. come along and it's like, oh, you know, drip feeding you gangster week by week. And, and mm-hmm. teleseries is, I mean, it was the first of its kind, right? Television, as we know now, is not as we knew it then. And it's the first thing, mm. first thing ever to have the the scope of a film and the budget of a film and the storylines of a film, but like dripped out over, you know, almost 10 years. Um yeah. So it would have been, you know, I just remember it being talked about everywhere. Just, it was just like kind of must watch television, really. I think around about that time, I think everyone was watching it.
0: Yeah, I get that impression. It, it seems to be up there with um, some other shows that we've talked about and have mentioned, you know, obviously, done Breaking Bad, West Wing, The Wire, things like that. Like those sort of shows, like you say, that this sort of seemed to be a bit of a step up in quality and storytelling and like cinematic scope. And it's interesting now because I'm even looking at some of like the more like this section on INDB. And it's it just seems like there's so many shows now that we're almost just saturated with them. We're used to them. But it's interesting that this one kind of, like you say, seemed to kick it off with a bang just before the year 2000, just before we stepped into this new dawn of television.
1: Yeah, kind of did it first. And, you know, in my opinion, did Mm. it. Did it best but i kind of fit with the mm. like you said there's so many series now and i watch a few of them and like I, I recently um got apple tv for the first time you know and they did that thing where you mm-hmm. kind of you look at the menu and you go oh my god this is amazing like i can, there's yeah. so much here i want to watch and then when you actually drill down into it you go no there's three things that i really want to watch and the rest <laughs> like i might watch if i have time um and a lot of those things are like you know, mini series, you know, eight or nine episodes, and you get to the eighth one and think, do you know what? You could have done that in an hour and forty-five minutes. You could have done that in a film. It didn't need to be yes. dragged out. And I, I, it's almost a little bit like it's going the other way now. Everyone's on the the look for the next big series. They're kind of dragging things out a little bit, you know. But maybe,
0: yeah. No, I think I know what you mean. It does. It does kind of feel like that with some of them. Yeah, there is a bit of a, a stretching out that goes on. Um, but in terms of this one, then, I mean, let's let's talk through it. What what's for anyone who's listening maybe is like me hasn't you know seen it yet but they've heard of it talk us through the premise then and what sort of drew you into the show and what made you come back week to week
1: Yeah is well you know The Sopranos is, is Tony Soprano is the head of both the Soprano family as in the mafia family one of the five families that make up the mafia and he's also the head of his own family you know he's got a wife and two kids and I suppose the premise really is that he's kind of balancing those two two families at once and by day he's Tony Soprano who's dad and is like, you know, telling his kids off for bunking off school or not doing their homework. And then by night he's gambling and having people whacked and you know navigating yeah. in, in that world as well. So that's the premise of the of the show, really. And it's all based around um him needing to go to therapy. Um he starts in mm. in like the first episode starts with him in therapy, and then how he kind of that's how he explains those two worlds and how they're Interlinked. Um, part of what pulls it all together is his therapy sessions, which is um, controversial in itself for like a, a gangster. You know, they're not supposed to be the people who, who need to go to therapy. Um, and that's right. kind of that's kind of the show. And I, I, one of the reasons, there's many reasons. I think it's the greatest of all mm. time. I do. I really okay. do believe it. And um, it's it just it's so good. I've watched it. I reckon once a year, I watch it all the way, all the way uh-huh. through. Um, you can just keep going back to it but the yeah the story arcs and the storylines through it is um yeah it's unbelievable it's like within each episode there's a story within each season there's a story and then those stories are feeding the main story that goes all the way through all like six seasons or seven seasons or or whatever it is it's um yeah it's so so clever um yeah it's just it's wonderful wonderful television hmm
0: i like the sound of that yeah intertwining stories and I think even the premise of that, as you say, is quite interesting. This idea of like adding a bit of psychoanalyst to a a sort of well-known sort of almost well-worn trope by that point in cinema and TV, as you say, with like the gangster films, everyone thinks of like the Scorsese stuff and, you know, all of these sort of big epic, The Godfather, like you said, but I like the sound of the idea of something that sort of breaks that down on a more psychological level and has like a look at what that would do to a person and his family and all the people around him I'm, I'm getting the sense that that's what this is doing it's taking a really almost like surgical look at it and dissecting it bit by bit
1: yeah definitely you know his behavior as you know both as a parent as a husband and as a right. as a mafioso um and you know it's really you know like you say it's a well-walked ground the whole mafia thing but we mm. never really see too much in the films the, the mafia guys tend to be just kind of horrible both at home and at work, you know, we don't see uh, much nice behavior going on when we see them at home, you know. Um, but with yeah. like Tony Soprano, he's not always <laughs> nice at home, but his there are so many elements of like day-to-day stuff, you know, his, his kids getting, like I said, getting trouble at school or don't do their homework mm. or, you know, sneak out to a party and he has to like discipline them the next day. There's like that sort of day-to-day element of how he deals with that versus how right. he deals with, you know like a rival you know faction of the family or someone who like tries to have him assassinated or something like that it's like a really interesting how he mm. how it blends between the two and then yeah explaining to his therapist she tries to get him to think about how his actions and like his anger control and about why he gets so so cross so quickly and obviously he can't give her all the details you know some stuff he's not right. allowed to not allowed to tell her so they kind of have to hint at it and um you know it's yeah mm. it's quite a fascinating um fascinating relationship yeah it's uh yeah it's really really cleverly done
0: Hmm. am i right in thinking then he he kind of fits the role of uh of sort of like an anti-hero in a way kind of like a, a sort of walter white character that's kind of the closest i can think of you know where like you're sort of rooting for them because of the protagonist, but you're also aware that they're a terrible person. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's spot on, really. At least with Walter White, like he starts off all right, doesn't he? He starts off decent and and it's only when he breaks bad that mm-hmm. he kind of really goes off the uh off the track. But yeah, Tony Soprano, you know he's a horrible man. And you know yeah. that he's done all these awful things. Um you see him do these awful things week in and week out, but you still can't help but but root for him. I think the the depth of the writing with The Sopranos. Like, yeah. it sounds like a weird thing to say, but I feel like I know these people, you know? Like, I know mm-hmm. random informations about the character's family that aren't even storylines. It's just stuff that gets mentioned and you remember it and it, yeah. you feel like you know him. you have this big emotional investment in it mm-hmm. and you can't help but root for Tony Soprano, even though he's... um yeah at times he's he's like he's dreadful um but yeah it's exactly exactly <laughs> like that he's just uh yeah you he can't help but it's root for all of them you know weirdly right and they're all up to no good um but yeah you get to know them you get to see their lives i think because you're seeing their personal lives right you're seeing how he interacts with his parents and you're seeing how he interacts with his children and all these sorts of things so when you see the other side of someone's life you see the good as well as the as well as the bad you know
0: Yeah. And I suppose given that as well, the setting of it being in a therapist's office, there's a certain level of, I would say, vulnerability and intimacy that comes with that. And as an audience member, you being let in on that, I think would, would go a long way, right, to helping you to kind of, in a way, I suppose, empathize with the character at times.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, all that behavior, you can't just choose to be the sort of person that, you know i don't know shoots other people and sells drugs and all that's you know yeah. like you, there has to be reasons why and you kind of you learn a lot about his parents and his upbringing and all that sort of stuff along the way as well and you can't help but mm. you know it's that whole product of your environment thing i suppose you can't help but um have compassion for you know someone who is, is brought up in that life and didn't really have any choice and then has kind of like got to a certain you know certain point where they've been forced to question some of it because they're having panic attacks when normally they wouldn't yeah. be questioning it at all. And uh, yeah, it's, I suppose that's a really interesting, uh, really interesting take on it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it makes sense as well, especially given in, in a environment like that and that kind of world. I mean, I've not seen a lot of gangster stuff. It's not a genre that I always latch onto. I must admit, I've, I've seen a few of the classics and they are fascinating, but they're also I always find them quite hard to keep up with just purely because of the nicknames. I know it sounds really stupid and trivial, but like, you know, there's just some of these characters that come along and it's Jimmy, the shoe and Timmy, no legs and stuff like that. And you're like, and you find out that they're the same person at one point you go, hang on. What? Who's what?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. But, Maybe that's just my cultural ignorance, I don't know. But
1: no, is that um you see there's the scene in Donnie Brasco where they type it, he's typing up on the um typewriter <laughs> about all um Al Pacino's nicknames, and there's about twenty of them. He's like, a. AKA right. lefty, <laughs> aka you know, boss yeah. leg, aka this, <laughs> aka that and they've all got a hundred <laughs> names each, yeah. Yeah.
0: But something that does stand out to me, and I you know, I'm thinking of now of something like The Godfather, for example, is perhaps a point of reference for me is the paranoia, as you say, that comes with being on top of always looking over your shoulder because you're in a criminal society. You're surrounded by people who are just as twisted and and you know morally bankrupt as you are. And even though it's all through the lens of family, right? That's the thing you hear a lot in these these kinds of settings. Is it's everyone's a family, either physically or metaphorically? They're still backstabbing one another. There's still all this going on. And I'm I'm am I right in thinking that that's a show? that's something sorry that this show explores and the, the impact that it not only has on him, but perhaps on other characters as well of being in this position of power and having all of that, but not knowing who you can trust. Yeah. What, that's the sort of toll that would take on you.
1: Yeah, definitely. So there's like this, you know, there is the, the five families and they're all kind of like working together, but also like trying to stitch each other up and steal territory and make more money. And then yeah. there's the interfamily stuff. So, Tony Soprano has got his crew and within that crew, there's people that kind of want to, you know, would stab him in the back at any opportunity. And, you know, that changes depending on what's going on. You know, he makes one ruling in someone's favor and then the other guy then hates him. You know, that's really unstable, unstable ground. And then of course he's got the feds, right? So he's got the FBI, following him Mm -hmm. everywhere he goes bugging his house and um like flipping guys as well so he doesn't know who's a rat and who's not a rat and there's all that sort of Mm -hmm. stuff going on so yeah he's getting it from all angles man it's uh you wouldn't want to be you wouldn't want to be uh at the top of that at the top of that heap you know you wouldn't want to be the king
0: no no that's the thing i kind of like crime dramas and things that explore that that are quite realistic in terms of yeah the impact that it would have on a human being that as you say all that money and power and all of all of that that you you could easily idolize and sort of take away the wrong lessons from. I like shows that explore that. That's, why, that's one of the reasons why I loved Breaking Bad so much. is yeah, it looked at, it took a, I think a really serious look at the impact on someone's humanity. You know, of going down that dark road of becoming a someone who sells drugs for a living. And I imagine this is very similar. It's yeah, like you say, the kind of life that he has to lead, the impact that will have on his family, on his, on his psyche. You know, on his humanity, all of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, very much so. And like because you get to know the characters so well along the way, it really adds to yeah. that, you know, when, you know, when a, a very well-known kid in the early couple of seasons, um one of his like his best friends that he came up with um turns out to be a rat. And there's all the, you know, that that takes about something I love about the Sopranos is they'll they'll mention something and then it won't come back for a couple of seasons. You know, it's so slow burn. Right. Um, or the storyline will just kind of go away, you know, and, yeah. and you, it's, you forget about it because you're thinking about all the other storylines and then it'll just come back around and catch you by surprise. And this whole story mm. is, is basically his best friend is called big pussy, Bob and, and um And, mm-hmm. and yeah, and he gets flipped and at first they're not sure, you know, has he flipped or not? And then he goes missing and then he comes mm-hmm. back, but he's got a really good excuse for going missing and they're not sure. Mm-hmm. And they just can't decide. And they're, uh, you know, he's trying to like rat on them and they're trying to suss him out and it's his best mate and he doesn't want to believe it. And, uh, you know, there's mm. all like, um, but yeah, you know, they're his childhood friends, you know? So he like grew up with this guy and then this guy's flipped on him. And um, yeah, mm. that kind of, you feel like you know these characters really, really well. So when, when Tony gets betrayed, you kind of, you feel it, man. And you shouldn't yeah. because like, you know, they all deserve to get caught because they're doing horrible things. But yeah, you know, a lot of what, the mafia, I mean, it, the, I was going to say a lot of what the mafia do, like I know, right? So <laughs> the, a lot of what the mafia do, uh, you know, on television is um, they tend to only affect themselves, right? So they, yeah. they're, not, they're not going and, you know, me and you would be safe from the mafia, mm. you know, like we, um, we'd be all right. It's only once you start going into that world and getting into trouble that you've got to, um, you've got to contend with that stuff. So there's that element as well, like it takes the edge off the darkness. Because like no, okay. no one in it is like an innocent bystander. No one's getting shot who, mm. you know, isn't doing shooting somewhere else. And, that, yeah. you know, I quite I found that really interesting as well, at the risk of going off on a tangent. But that, the, kind it. of the moral aspect to it is like, oh, they're just kind yeah. of like keeping themselves to themselves and, you know, all being mean to each other. But the average man in the street isn't getting affected by it, not really, you know. So, yeah, that was quite interesting mm. as well.
0: No, that is an interesting point. Yeah, it's that like kind of that moral question of, like you say, if, if one of them dies or goes missing, you kind of like, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's it's still a loss of life, but as you say, it's like, well, they're putting themselves in that situation and they're, yeah, they're only ever affecting themselves. That's a really interesting point to bring up, actually, now
1: you mention it. Yeah, and you, like I say, you just, you get into these characters, you can forgive mm-hmm. them these awful, awful things because you've watched them for like four seasons and you know yeah. all about them. And, and it's it's filmed in like, You know, there's no gaps, but I think the first season or two, then they were waiting to know if it got renewed, but once it was up and running, they just knew that it was going to run and run and run. So the cast kind of ages almost in real time, you know? So that's like, Mm. that's, it draws you in more. So like the Soprano children are children in series one, but like by the end, they're adults, they're grown-ups, and you've watched them Mm. do all the be children and then you've watched them do all the stupid teenage stuff and then you've watched them become Mm. young adults and you kind of, and that's same for everyone in it. The old people Mm. who are old in season one are really old, you know, if they make Mm -hmm. it to the last season. And Tony Soprano changes. He's like, he's a big bear of a man or he was a big bear of a man, James Gandolfini, but he's Mm. not that big in season one. But like by the end, he's massive. He's just this big, strong, huge dude, Mm. you know? And uh, yeah, you kind of watch him Grow into the because he's not the boss when it starts, right? So by the time he is the boss and he's the the top, you know, you kind of you watch him change, you watch him get bigger and angrier and everything Mm. that comes with it. And yeah, I think the fact that it's filmed all the way through as well that it it gives you that personal connection because you feel like you're watching these people grow and change and develop into life.
0: Hmm. So how does it sort of impact family things? I'm just looking at the cast list here. So obviously, I. Don't really have much of an idea of who's who <laughs> other than I can see there's a couple of people with the same name Soprano, so I'm gonna guess that's wife, son, and daughter in, in what I'm looking at here.
1: Yeah, that's the main household, yeah.
0: Main household, yeah. Yeah,
1: and then there's his mum and his uncle. Um Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of like yeah, his uncle is always uh see, he's got this really weird so I mean like really early on, like his mum tries to have him whacked. But right, his own, okay. own mum. but she doesn't come out and say it. She kind of hints at it and gets, because he falls out with Uncle Junior, right? Because basically it's mm. uh, he, the, who, the boss of the family is a guy called Jackie April and he dies from cancer. And Junior is, Junior's like a lot old. Jackie April was Tony's best friend coming up and Uncle Junior kind of got skipped over as being the boss. So when Jackie April dies, Junior should be next in line but they don't trust him because by this time he's old, he's making very bad decisions. He's not good for business. So they kind of have him as the boss, but Tony's the real boss and everyone's going to Tony. So they give it like on paper to Junior. So he thinks he's got it. Um, And then eventually he gets arrested and goes to prison and then Tony steps up and that's kind of like, um, that's kind of how, how that goes. So he has a really interesting relationship with his true family like not just you know not his work family his true family because yeah his mum tries to get junior to whack him and all this sort of stuff it's like uh there's a lot going on but weirdly when you say it like yeah his mum tries to whack him it sounds like it's some um off the wall really extreme drama or something like but it's not Mm. it doesn't feel daft you know it doesn't feel Mm. like a stupid storyline when you're watching it uh, because of the family dynamics and the politics it fits really well it makes sense that of course olivia would try and have him whacked you know but uh yeah it's uh yeah
0: there's
1: a, there's a lot going on there's a lot going on
0: that's fascinating yeah i I could i could see what you mean with that yeah i think that's that's the key to any good writing right in tv i think that's how you know I've, i always feel that's how you know you're onto something really good in film or television if they can make a twist make sense if it doesn't just feel like it's happening for the sake of it happening like you say that that does sound like it could be something out of, like, a cheesy soap opera, you know, just to get a dramatic ending to come back next week of, oh, the mum tried I have not killed. You think, oh, what? For goodness sake. But but like you say, if it's weaved in, if it's part of the character's makeup, if, if you've built it into the fabric of it all, it makes sense. And I feel like it always makes those moments land so much better because when you find out it's the right kind of shocking, you know, in the sense of, like, you're pulled in and you're like, whoa, but that makes sense. Oh, my goodness. Whereas, yeah, versus oh, come on, that's just stupid.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. And in that particular storyline, right, so he survives, you know, yeah, they have, make an attempt on him and he survives and then he finds out that it's mm. his mum that did it and, like, he can't whack his own mum. That's not allowed. So he can't do that. Right. So he has to cut her off, you know? So there's, like, this... So there you go. Yeah, and that's, but that's, like, a standard thing that can happen in some families, you know, like a parent mm. and a child fall out and they they cut each other off and they don't speak. So he's got that with his mum, but instead of it being... You know, because someone said something at Christmas dinner ten years ago, or you know, it's because she tried yeah. to whack him. So it's like a real, it's you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like a normal it thing. Feels, with a really not legit. normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah makes, I think that's I
0: think that's a good enough reason, I would say. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah,
1: and there's, yeah, there's all that sort of all that sort of stuff. Like, uh, yeah, his relationship with his mother is complicated, right? Because I don't know, to say the least. Yeah. yeah, she tried to have him whack. Still, his mum. You know, still his yeah. mum. And you know, it's uh, yeah. So that's just one of many. Um, really interesting, interesting storylines. But the way that they thread those storylines through, um, it yeah, it's just it's it's incredible, really. I I can never understand, and um, I don't mean it's personal, Harley, but when mm. people haven't seen it, I think how can you not? <laughs> it's like saying you you like films and haven't seen Jurassic Park, or like it is Fair. it's such a such a classic. Um,
0: I I do agree with that, but I do feel like you have more of an excuse these days given just the sheer amount of content that there is, but to your credit and to your point, I do think there are certain staples or classics that come up that you think, yeah, at some point I do have to get around to seeing them. Um, yeah. And like I said, this is on my list. I've even had a quick little look just to see where it's available and where I can buy it. So I'm going to have a look at that a bit closer later, but, um, yeah, I will. I promise you I will, Tom.
1: (laughs) That's good. I'll sleep tonight. knowing that. That's
0: fine. That's fine. And it's, Yeah, it's one of those as well. It's it's an interesting one because it's such a a part of the sort of pop culture zeitgeist still that like as I say, I'm aware of certain plot points and like we're here talking about story arcs and characters, and I'm not at all worried about it being spoiled in any way. Because I get the sense just from hearing about it and this is being reinforced by what you're saying, that it's the kind of show that you can go into knowing these things, knowing how it ends, knowing certain plot points it doesn't really matter because you'll get drawn in and there sounds like there's so much going on in each episode anyway that you'll probably forget by the time you get to it
1: yeah and there's lots of things that like come out of left field that are um you know like moments big moments but it's not done in it's much more subtle you know really subtle so you know like um i'm trying to think of a good example there's moments in breaking bad uh, the Walking sure. Dead are brilliant at it where something happens, you're mm. like, you're almost off the couch. You know, or like if yeah. you hadn't read the Game of Thrones books the first time you see the Red Wedding is like really, really shocking. Okay. The surprise doesn't have those moments. It has unexpected twists. It has people who you thought would never die, die. And it has different mm. things going on. But it's so much more subtle it kind of like drips feeds these things or it hints towards them and then it double backs and does something else and you know you kind of uh, it, it it there's not a, there's not big reveals the curtain never gets like ripped back it just slowly yeah. gets taken over like one side and you kind of you just along with it for the ride so yeah it's you can kind mm. of know that certain things happen and it wouldn't affect it because how those things happen is probably episodes if not whole series is long you know the storylines are all long nothing happens quick in the sopranos there's nothing nothing gets Mm. solved in two episodes you know if they if they're messing about with it they're going to mess about with it for a long long time yeah
0: yeah and that kind of feels indicative of the gangster genre anyway right even the movies again godfather goodfellas irishman for example that came out not that long ago these movies are long
1: (laughs) really long (laughs) yeah
0: it's kind of for a reason as you say there's often a lot of into politics and families things going on that are subtle and you have to pay attention so that makes sense that would happen across this series
1: yeah yeah definitely it's well done and they they like bleed people in and i really like that you know Mm. um i don't know if you're a walking dead fan at all harley but
0: not at all oh, right no. so
1: in the walking dead you can always tell who's going to get eaten in that episode because there's someone right. you've never seen before <laughs> uh, right. has yeah, a conversation yeah. with the main character yeah. and you go cool you're yeah. here just to get eaten you're, today. Gonna, you're, so, you're gonna die yeah, some, yeah. you know i've never seen you yeah. before i've been watching it for eight years but um like in the, it's st- the star trek red shirt thing isn't it <laughs> yeah that's it you just know that that's the person yeah yeah um, in the sopranos like they There'll be sort of background characters, and they might start off like, you know, driving the car for Tony or something like that. And then they slowly get brought into it. And then maybe two you'll just you'll see them in the background, wherever in the they're in the casino or in the strip club or whatever this person's in the background, small interactions, and then a slightly bigger mm-hmm. interaction, and then maybe two seasons later, then they get their own storyline. You know, it kind of weeds, right. brings people in, and um, you know, that it there's always a new Protagonist like a new villain, someone who's causing Tony beef, and it's normally someone who's been brought up over the course of a season or two, or um, you know, Mm. there's there's one season later. I think it's like season five, and like a bunch of old um old gangsters, they all get let out of prison at once on some sort of like law change or something, so they all come out, and of course none of them they've all Mm. been in prison for like twenty years, you know, like proper uh, serving proper time, and they all come out and they all want like you know their old action back and they all want to do things the old school way and he has to kind of like calm them down but still be respectful because they're the people that were in charge when he was coming up and there's like cool things like that you know every now and again they'll let someone out of prison and it's like ah that's the here's the guy he's got to sort out in season five or whatever i always thought that was pretty cool
0: yeah that's does sound quite cool so it's almost and i guess that means that then um each season's quite different by the sounds of it there's sort of you mentioned earlier that there's like a bigger story that kind of threads through the entire thing is that right
1: yeah yeah so i read the book there's i've got it in front of me here um there's a book written by two of the cast that did a podcast about they re-watched every episode oh nice Um, and they interviewed um everyone from other actors to the script writers to the casting agents to the wardrobe they're uh, like a real deep dive they even had like david chase who wrote it and conceptualized it and stuff they had him on all sorts mm. but they wrote a book about it and in that book they talk about there's always at least three arcs going on in every in every episode there's like the big picture the middle picture and the, the picture you're watching and um a lot of it is yeah mm. a lot of thing i've said before but a lot of it is slow burn a lot of it you've got to you know you've got to pay attention for a long time to get the payoff that's that's coming
0: yeah and do you think it sort of pays off as a whole then
1: Yes. Yeah. The, the, you know, the ending is debatable. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously that was like 20 years ago now or something. So like, could <laughs> yeah. like, I'm not as angry now. Maybe if if we'd yeah. have done this 15 years ago, I might've been spitting. But, um, uh, but on, yeah, on the whole, it's, um, it goes all the way through and it could have kept going. There's no, I think they only just stopped because I, I think they decided it was time, time to stop. Okay. Um, like there's so much more. Um, scope there to to keep going, which is probably why people mm. were up in arms with the uh, with the ending. But well, let's
0: unpick that a little bit then, yeah. Because my understanding of the ending is it's it sort of just cuts off, yeah, more it's, like mid sentence at some point. Is that right? Like it's a really abrupt, sudden, like whoa, what just happened? Kind of ending.
1: Yeah, the screen just goes black. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Just like it just goes <laughs> black, um, and they they build up to it. So in that season, uh, there's basically there's been a war. And all the way through it, even as far back as season one, um, Jersey was the Soprano family from Jersey, and Johnny Sack from New York. They're kind of they're old school friends. They love each other, but they hate each other. And they kind Hmm. of there's lots of backstabbing and making back up, and all that goes all the way through it. And then it slowly gets ramped up and ramped up more and more and more towards the end. Um, And they all end up uh, like a big war, and Tony has to go into hiding, and Loads of main characters get whacked and it's just this great big thing. And then they they win the war, they get to the end of it, and finally he's allowed out of hiding. And you think, oh, he's gonna make it, you know, he's gonna he's gonna survive. Mm. And a few of the core cast are still are still living and you know, all the rest of it, he's gonna be alright. So he arranges to meet his family at a diner. And then it just, it hypes the tension as they're going into this diner. So he sat there for the first time. He's got no protection with him. He hasn't got any people. He's there on his own. And then like his wife turns up and then his son turns up and his daughter can't park a car out the sa- outside. And the camera's cut in between the three of them entering the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And then there's a really dodgy looking man who sat there and he's kind of looking over at Tony. And you think, oh, has he come out too soon? You know, has he come mm-hmm. out from hiding too soon? Is that guy going to get him? And then boom, screen goes black. That's it. Done. it's like uh it it is literally like um the power cable falls out of your telly you know like that yeah abrupt there's no no anything to it there's a bell in the calf and every time someone comes in or comes out the bell rings and he looks up Mm. Um mm. and sometimes he looks up and it's just a person and then he looks up and it's his wife, you know, and then he mm. it rings again and he looks up and it, his daughter comes out after parking the car. Because at first I was thinking, like, is she gonna get shot in the car? Because mm. he keeps going back to her, keeps going back to her doing this reverse park and she can't get the car in. Um and then the bell goes, which would be his daughter Meadow walking in, and that's when it just all goes all goes black. Um there's a lot mm. of different theories about it. You know Yeah.
0: I've heard one that suggests that. That was him being assassinated mm. that it was like it was that's what would happen if you were shot for example it would just be instant fade to black like you're gone and yeah i've heard people suggest that maybe that was part of it i don't know did the sort of cast give any sort of insight onto that in that podcast that book
1: not really no the only ah, person who seems to know is like david chase who wrote it and he kind of yeah. just says look that's the ending i wanted to do that's the ending i'd always, always <laughs> had planned for it and, and it doesn't doesn't mean anything <laughs> yeah tough deal with it Just doesn't mean anything just like it's oh, just just okay. the ending you know that's just you know why are you questioning the ending that's the ending um but uh It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. great i love that but that seems to be the most common one that he gets um that he gets whacked yeah hmm. and that was like you know that we were seeing the whole thing through his eyes and that was his time. Yeah. And then, you know, it's time for us to stop watching. So maybe he doesn't get whacked. Maybe it's just us time for us not to watch that story anymore. And in TV world, he carries on and more things happen to him and we're just not getting to see it, you know? Yeah, maybe, yeah. I don't know. What do you have a, a theory that you like? No, I just think like David Chase is uh, like, in, has enjoyed messing with people, you know, there's some, <laughs> there's some weird episodes in there. There's a couple of episodes like where he gets shot and um he's like in some sort of weird like purgatory you know so the cast are right. all on the, around his body in a coma like praying for him and there's all other storylines playing out while he's you know while he's going under and then we see what he's seeing in the in the uh in the coma and they're always really trippy there's another one where he gets mm. food poisoning um, and that's really really trippy it's like some sort of like david lynch really like odd (laughs) odd stuff um so you know so yeah david chase is obviously he's up for like messing around with people and yeah must have just i suppose how do you end the most famous you know most acclaimed tv show of all time well just pull the plug (laughs) just just turn it off yeah (laughs) yeah you you look at all the big seasons the very Mm. few like seasons that are massive everyone's happy with the ending people weren't okay when breaking bad stopped people hated game of thrones um how that finished up so it's like why why bother just just turn it off (laughs) yeah i guess (laughs) why not i guess yeah 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 the best thing about it is that in the whole build-up to the big black screen is um he there's like a little jukebox thing on his table in the diner and he puts Mm. don't stop believing by journey on so that's the song that's playing <laughs> when when the screen goes black. It's, it's like three yeah. quarters of the way into "Don't Stop Believing," and that's always that song's sick. So uh, yeah. yeah, so that's pretty cool. But uh, yeah,
0: I didn't know that. There you go. I always thought it was um, it was Glee or Scrubs that kind of brought that up into the mainstream. But there you go. Sopranos got their first. Sopranos got their first. <laughs> yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah. I mean, something that's got to be talked about with this show is the soundtrack. It is uh-huh. in incredible all the way through yeah really really good um david chase i'm assuming he kind of like picked a lot of these songs but he's got an incredible taste of music um mm-hmm. there's a lot of jersey based bands springsteen uh, features quite heavily bon jovi um Makes sense. billy joel um but on, but yeah, loads of Rolling Stones. David Chase is famously a Rolling Stones fan. They're in there a lot. Um, but yeah, it's so, the soundtrack is so good. There's been a few, um, you know, they're, they're probably all on Spotify playlists now, but they used to release them as CDs after each season, and there's at least two or three of those. Um, yeah? Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. I've got into loads of songs um, through watching it, or like discovered albums like a few rolling stone albums where i'd hear a song i hadn't heard before because it's not one of the really famous ones and it's not from the famous albums or from the greatest hits and you go like that's got to be the stones what song's that and then you look it up and go oh it's this and it's on this album so i'd go and get that album um so yeah it unlocked you know quite a lot of um quite a lot of cool music for me as well yeah i love it i
0: love it when a show does that yeah man I, yeah that that is a big thing to to tv um Get not to bang on too much because I've done an episode on it but yeah that's something I loved about Breaking Bad Better was the use of music and soundtrack and song and score and yeah I'm glad to hear that does the same here and to keep it based within the area that it's set as well that's a nice little touch I like that a lot that's quite cool
1: they often mention Springsteen and like Billy Joel yeah. and if like he's trying to like sweeten a deal with someone it's quite often with like you know, a pack of a handful of Springsteen tickets or, you know, like that's how he, (laughs) that's how he like bribes his way into places by hooking people up. Uh, But yeah, they mentioned Springsteen quite a lot. Um, But yeah, yeah, the soundtrack is just, it's phenomenal. Absolutely, uh, absolutely phenomenal
0: awesome that's really cool i'll look out for that as well and, then
1: uh, of course the one of his his consiglieri is um uh-huh. sergio dante who in real life is little stevie van Zandt, who is the guitarist in the e street band so there's that nice little i'm nice. i'm assuming that you know they've said to him at some point like you know what what songs do you know? <laughs> you know, like who, who? Uh, what would you suggest for this? Because um, a couple of yeah. his solo songs, uh, "Little Stevie" and the Disciples of Soul, his band is called, or one of them is called, um, and they do mm. a couple of songs on the soundtrack that's so good. Yeah, really good.
0: That's awesome. Um, speaking of the cast, is there any other characters that kind of stand out to you? Then, as I'm just looking through this list here.
1: Yeah, does it? Most of the, if you've watched any gangster movie or any film that features like Italian Americans, you'll know half of them like once you've seen yeah. Sopranos you'll watch Goodfellas and like all the they're all in there somewhere and you I'm know, having a
0: look Michael of uh,
1: Imperioli yeah got, so yeah. you know him he's um he, most recently yeah. he's been in um White Lotus season two he was the, the lead in. I've that. heard that's
0: really good yeah yeah
1: yeah so he was like one of the main people in that but he's done all sorts Michael Imperioli he's probably my favorite character in The Sopranos so he's Tony's cousin Um, He's called Christopher, Christopher Montesante. And he's not really Tony's cousin. They say he's Tony's cousin, but he's not. He's Tony's wife's cousin, but um, he just calls him his cousin or his nephew. And in season one, Christopher is like, he's young. He's he's like, wears a a track suit. He's really like trigger happy and he does too much coke and he gets in trouble because he sticks up the wrong lorries and he's just like a little bit out of control. And then slowly as the seasons go on, he grows up and by about season three or four, he gets made. And then he's like, you know, so you see him get made and then he's in a suit and he's, you know, he's much smarter. And uh, then he gets given like his own crew and, you know, he kind of works his way up through the mafiosa ranks. Um, and yeah. Tony is, Tony says to him at one point, like you, when I go, you're taking over from me. That's what I'm building for you. Um, but he's a really cool character because he's like, you just see that progression with him or he doesn't quite make it to the end, spoiler alert. But um, mm-hmm. how he goes is is a stunning bit of television and uh, yeah, but watching his progression through the ranks of the mafia is really sick, man. It's really cool. Yeah.
0: Fascinating. Yeah. So I do recognize him a few things, so I'll keep an eye out for that. I'm just having a little flick through here. Yeah. I do recognize some of these guys actually, now that you mention it. You'll have seen
1: loads of them. I mean, Steve Buscemi's in it. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. So he, <laughs> that's cool. He directed a few episodes and then I think, from there went on to star in a bunch. He does like a whole season. He's Tony's, um, he's called uh, Tony Blondetto. So there's Tony Soprano and Tony Blondetto and they're cousins and they come up together. Mm. Um, And the story is they, they went to do a job and um, Tony Soprano doesn't go. And it turns out because he had his first panic attack. That's why he didn't go on the job, but his cousin did it without him and ended up like doing 20 years in prison or something like that. Um, And it's, yeah. And it's his cousin that kind of, kickstarts the big war that finishes it all inadvertently so again that's another one of those storylines it starts off as one thing and you know his cousin comes out of prison and it's all about you know he he told everyone he got food poisoning but he didn't he had a panic attack and he's great to have his cousin back and his cousin wants to go straight and he wants him to rejoin the mafia and there's all this this thing going on and then along that way that cousin then goes on to do something that triggers Mm. this whole turn of events that ultimately leads to like the show ending but you wouldn't know that when it was happening at season five you know it's uh it's one of those long long played out things but yeah Steve Buscemi's yeah. in it um I can't think of the guy's name who plays Ralphie um but you'll definitely know him he's done loads of um is it Joe Pantoliano yes yeah so he that's exactly right so, so if you click on him, him you'll notice him he's been in you'll recognize him he's been in all sorts of uh oh uh,
0: yeah All sorts um, of things. I know i think i've reckoned yeah he's i know him as a cypher from the matrix <laughs> exactly yeah exactly um, that yeah that was the and that a, bit amongst the whole other things as you say um just one of those really consistent actors in hollywood just always around yeah. does great stuff that's cool yeah that's cool i like that
1: and there's one of um the guy who's just i can't remember his um paulie walnuts i can't remember his real name so uh, i feel that's... like i know him i know all their actual their cast names but i don't know tony surico tony surico yeah so he's just passed away um oh yeah yeah but he is like um he's got ties or he had ties to the real mafia and he was kind of known even though he did bits of acting this is all in the in the book um Mm -hmm. but he had yeah he was known for being a bit of a a bit of a character and when they Went to get him in the show when they said, "Oh, do you yeah. want to come in the show?" He said, "I'll only do it if my character is never a rat," <laughs> because oh. because he had like one foot in that world and a rat is the worst thing that you can be. He wouldn't even yeah. like pretend to be one for loads of money on television. So that was wow. so. Paul Walnuts is never a, a rat for that for that reason. So yeah, I always thought that was like an interesting little uh <laughs> little little tidbit. Yeah, but I think a few of the cast had um, not not maybe as into that world as him but had like family members or acquaintances or you know someone had an uncle who was apparently made and there's lots of little ties to the actual you know the actual the real the real mafia but yeah i always like that story about paulie walnuts he was that much of a badass that he couldn't even be a rat (laughs) but pretend you know that was really cool yeah
0: that kind of makes sense i guess like you say i'm aware of that being a a huge issue for for the, uh, yeah, for that world, which, which makes sense. Makes sense. You know, yeah.
1: <laughs> don't want that label. Don't want to be falsely accused of, uh of doing that. Yeah. Well, before I forget, right, this is a really, really sick story. So James Gandolfini, and I just, I do think he was just like, as Tony Soprano, it was one of those where the role of a generation and the perfect actor of a generation just come yeah. together. Like he's perfect for it. And like I said before, as his stature changes, he grows into it. But when he became massive, he actually went on strike um over more money. So he was he said mm. like he was that famous, he couldn't like walk down the street anymore and he wanted more money to reflect it. Um and he was on standing off with the studio, they wouldn't pay him more money. And um obviously without him, they had to cease all other filming, because he was the main person. And so a lot of people weren't getting paid because they were under contract. And a lot of actors, some of the bigger ones could go away and do other projects. But some of the smaller actors, that was their only job. Um, They couldn't go and do other stuff because they were under contract. Um, And uh, James Gandolfini, for those actors, he paid their wages while he was on strike. So yeah, so he contacted him and said, look, I'm sorry about this, but I've got to do it. I've got to... you know, I deserve this money and I'm going to get it, but I appreciate you can't work. So I'm going to sort you out while, uh, while you wait for me to have this, have this battle. Um, and I thought like, what a cool thing to do, man. Like, yeah, he uh, yeah, like looked after, looked after people. Yeah. For what, a, what I, a guy. I
0: love the one that happens. Yeah. I've, his, I've uh, heard a few stories like that about other TV shows I've done in the past. um didn't think they'll bring this up on this show, but here we go. The U.S. office, <laughs> okay, yeah, is <laughs> one that has a similar story. Apparently, where there was a writer strike issue, and because half the crew were writers, half the cast were writers as well as being actors on the show. Um, everybody else chipped in, and at the time, uh, Steve Carell, obviously being the big lead actor, took a same approach of just like, okay, well, I'm not coming in. Then I had the same thing of the studio going, "You're going to have to." He's like, "No, I don't." what are you gonna do you're gonna fire me no you're not <laughs> and at the time you had enough push to do it and went picketing with them and all that stuff and there's other shows similar to that yeah have that thing where the lead actor like you say gets all this prestige and power and it's it's yeah it's heartwarming to hear when people use it for the right reasons instead of just these. sometimes you get these horror stories don't you of people abusing their power it's nice to hear about these guys who take it and do something good with it. Like you say, try to build up their fellow cast members and yeah. Yeah. Do what's right. It makes you wonder what on earth is going on sometimes with these Hollywood shows. Like just pay them.
1: (laughs) Just give them the money. Just pay them.
0: Just give them the money. You're going to get it back. Like what, what's the big deal? Why be, why be so, petty over it that's it isn't it
1: <laughs> everyone has got so much he's like even yeah. like galda he's like i want more money from the studio but i can still afford to pay <laughs> like all these yeah. people a really yeah, good wage out my own pocket so he clearly had enough right but yeah um, yeah it's i think things like that it really as a viewer it, if they're behaving like that on set it adds mm. to like the family feel of it Hundred percent. And yeah. you know, weirdly, I was talking about the Sopranos with my wife this morning, with this coming up, and mm-hmm. I was saying there's a few shows that I think I will watch again and again and again forever. You know, some stuff I've yeah. rewatched twice, I've rewatched three times maybe, but that's it. Um, and the main two are the U.S. Office and the Sopranos. And I think there must mm-hmm. be th- that emotional investment in the cast is it's such a lovely thing. Like it generally. You just happen to be flicking channels and come across the U.S. office. You can just drop straight yeah. into it, and you feel like you know them. And I'm the same with the the Sopranos. You know, I could what, yeah. I could pick it up at any point, and I just feel like I yeah. You just have that emotional in investment in in the show. And I suppose if they're like a big family on set, then that's got to like be part of that as well, isn't it? You know, if they're all looking after each other.
0: Yeah, I think so. I'm a big believer in that. Like, it translates for sure. It's. You know, it's, it's like anything, right? It's like, again, movie sets. It's like bands, you know? We've talked about that before. If, if, if people are getting along and everyone's behaving like a big family, I always believe that what you create as a group, because I've come to appreciate that's what television is, right? It's a group effort. If everyone's behaving well and treating each other well, that will always shine through on what you produce. It will always be better. Whereas if there's all this animosity and people acting up, I, I'm a big believer in like that causes breakdowns in communication and all sorts and i do think you can tell i do think you can tell it doesn't matter how good an actor you are i think if you're not having a good time or if you are having a good time that will come through in your performance
1: yeah yeah i agree i agree and like what type of performance someone can give and how much of themselves they can give to it and you yeah know, I...
0: and same with the writers as well probably right mm,
1: yeah yeah definitely no it's um it's a cool thing man it yeah as a viewer it just makes it more more personal you feel more more part of it
0: mm. yeah for sure and i suppose that that is reassuring and, and i guess again it, it would add to the the uh the quality of what you see as well which is nice as you say i think it's just nice just to hear that that yeah they were getting on and behaving <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> good
1: people doing good things man it's nice
0: yeah and kind of ironic considering it's a show about bad people doing bad things <laughs> yeah, you know? considering
1: how, how horrible they all are yeah yeah, yeah. definitely
0: Eds, i really like that um yeah i'm just having a look through the family i mean what what do you think in terms of his immediate like the wife and kids how does how do they sort of play out in uh in the show
1: yeah the kids are really interesting because they kind of like i said before they start off young and they grow into young adults and it's all the stuff that happens Mm. along the way and for a long time they don't know that their dad is the leader of the mafia and then they get to a point where he's like on the news and everyone knows it but doesn't talk about it um Mm. at at one point um his son aj people realize that he's a soprano and you want to like hang out with him and you know like they want to he can sort of trade a bit on his on his name people act as if he's a gangster when he's not a, a gangster at all he's not really that that way inclined and um yeah th- that's his relationship with his dad's really interesting because he's kind of his dad doesn't want him to live that life but at the same time yeah. he probably would want him to be a bit sort of tougher and a bit more macho and he's none of those things um so yeah that's quite interesting and his daughter goes the other way she ends up being like a lawyer or um something mm-hmm. something like that but um uh yeah it's, it's, yeah it's just interesting watching them kind of I don't know like yeah grow up with it and his wife's amazing um is it Edie Falco yeah. who plays his mm-hmm. who plays his wife she's incredible what an actor what an actress she is man it's just uh, unbelievable and she has to like turn a blind eye to so much stuff um
0: yeah you know yeah I was going to say I bet she does have to do yeah a lot of that as somebody who's probably got to balance those two worlds you know
1: yeah there's a there's a lot of her storylines involve guilt because she um mm. uh you know she lives in a big house and she has lots of money and she does whatever she wants but then she turns a blind eye to where that money comes from you know and there's a lot of storylines uh, where her loyalty gets gets tested you know or like in a, in a couple of seasons she like nearly has an affair or does have a bit of an affair and then there's mm-hmm. like you know, this, there's, there's, I mean, you know, that's not a nice situation to be in, right? But there's one thing having an affair with someone, there's another thing having an affair when her husband's the head of the New Jersey mafia, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, that kind of like plays into it as well. And So there's a few interesting storylines there. I suppose she's the link to the more domestic side of uh, of his life through Carmela. yeah. You're a wonderful, wonderful um, actor. She's incredible, yeah.
0: Yeah, I was just having a little flick through INDB, I just realised, I was thinking, what oh, do I recognise her face? avatar oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. she said it for like two seconds but i was like oh yeah that's <laughs> yeah. where i knew her from yeah that's my link but yeah i I'll definitely like i said be interested to see where that goes because yeah i imagine that's a core part of that juxtaposition that we talked about earlier of the two worlds and it it makes sense that his immediate family being really good supporting cast for that because that's an important part of the story right
1: yeah yeah definitely it's quite interesting really because the two kids they should have been like Megastars after that, but neither mm. of them did much. I know like uh, Meadow, yeah. is it Jamie Lynn Sigler or something her name is? She brought a single yep. out. She had a song out at one point, but I don't know if that did mm. much. And his son, who the guy um, Robert Iller, is it? Something like that, Robert something? Yes. Yeah, who plays um, AJ. I think at one point he was like a professional poker player or something like that, but neither of them are, are doing much wow. in the in the acting world. Um, you'd think that would have set them up quite nicely really sort of 10 years on The Sopranos but
0: yeah and then I sometimes wonder as well with some people they have such a huge role like that at quite a young age maybe they just get exhausted by it you know and then they reach a point where they're like nah I'm good Mm -hmm. and I'm sure they've got a nice paycheck and some residuals and other things that have probably been set up for them during that time that they don't really need to work again So they just want to step away from this world yeah you know, I always wonder that like, with kid actors of like how much of it is their choice and how much of it is sometimes parents pushing things on them. And then when they get old enough, they can just go, oh, I've got enough money and power now that I can actually step away and do whatever it is that I want to do.
1: Yeah, it doesn't my always life, you know? doesn't always end up that well for them, does it? The child actors, I suppose. But I also think as mm. well, like I've just said that, like oh, they, they haven't gone on to do much. And when I, I don't know what they've gone on to do, right, So they haven't gone on anything to do commercially mainstream but for all i know they've been like on broadway for 20 years which is a incredible career you just don't see it does that make sense possibly you know, like, yeah you know we tend yeah, to yeah. you know judge people's careers by how often we see them on the telly but people can do wonderful wonderful um do you know things in acting and entertainment and all that but without you know just because i doesn't see them <laughs> doesn't mean you know i watch a nah. lot of telly but uh, you know i you know i don't know everyone that's doing everything out there right
0: no, it's true. I mean, I've I've had a look, and um, she seems to be consistently working in sort of TV shows in various capacities, it looks like. and That's the thing in America. Yeah, that's for him, there's not much.
1: In America, here, so many but channels. You never know, again, like you said. So many channels, so many shows. Yeah. People have, like, there's people out in America who are like, mega stars for being on tv and we'd never have heard of them over here it's a different um different ball ball game over there isn't it
0: right exactly you know and there's probably other capacities that they might be involved with that maybe we don't know about maybe they go more into writing or directing things of that i mean one that immediately leaps to my mind is um you know carrie fisher people might say oh she didn't do much after star wars she was a script doctor you know for years she was running around tidying up scripts for people in hollywood often uncredited but had an amazing career off the back of it you know she was involved in tons of stuff it turns out which just, you just never heard about it yeah
1: that's it isn't it yeah
0: so there might, there might be some like that that are here that like you say maybe just chipping away quietly in the background doing their own thing
1: yeah yeah definitely oh i hope so man i hope so because they were really good in the soprano so
0: yeah i hope so too um something i'm curious about is i understand there's been a few sort of spin-off properties um including like short films I think series there was one that came out a couple of years ago or maybe last year The Many Saints of Newark
1: yeah that, that that was, like was a, that like a
0: prequel or something yeah or-
1: that was a prequel so that showed them all um, it was more focused around like Tony's dad and his uncle Junior right. when he was a young man and then Tony was a boy coming up um, it was alright you know it was, it was it was okay it was one of those things that didn't really need to be made I don't think it was, when I heard it announced I was like oh if that's good that's going to be you know good um, mm-hmm. But I don't think it needed to be made, and it is just all right. The most interesting thing about that is that they've got a whole new cast, obviously younger actors mm-hmm. playing um, what we know as as older characters, right? So you spend ten years with the Sopranos cast, and then you see a bunch of young people playing the younger versions of them, and that was yeah. really cool how they did that. So a lot of the a lot of the uh, the younger guys in the film had obviously studied mannerisms, you know, like the way someone walks or the way someone wiggles their hand when they talk. And, you know, like if you're a Soprano's geek, you'd watch it and go like, Oh, that's how, you know, that's how Silvio walks or that's what Paulie does with his hands. And that was really cool. How they, um, how they'd studied it. Uh, they clearly, uh, you know, spent a lot of time making sure that you could tell exactly who was who, um, by the way that they, they acted. But, um, yeah, it was all right. It was good. Yeah. It was not, you know, I wasn't. I've, I've watched it once. I've never gone back to it. it's usually a sign that it's just okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, I heard, I've just looking at the cast now, and it, it does like a really stacked cast. To be fair,
1: I mean, it, um, James Gandolfini's son plays. That's right. Yeah, and that's pretty special, yeah. right? That's like what a lovely thing to be able to do is to the character that this iconic character that your dad made yeah. for you to be able to do that. That's quite a lovely thing, really.
0: I think so, and I've heard he did a really good job with it. I think that was the thing I kept hearing about all of the um all of the sort of critics and stuff all the reviews at the time were saying like yeah michael gandolfini did an amazing job of emulating his dad's performance
1: yeah
0: um, yeah it's just, yeah it's stacked so i'm just looking at it you got john bernthorl Corey stoll billy magson you know these a lot of names uh leslie odin jr some really really great actors in here so yeah and i but i know what you mean it's it's I, that that was the the consensus i heard as well was like it's good it doesn't need to exist
1: yeah that's you know,
0: it and that's sometimes the way isn't it with these spin-offs or things it can be a little it's either got to be just as good or yeah, if you're trying to follow up one of the greatest shows of all time it's yeah that's a that's a tough act to follow very few people have pulled it off
1: no it's true isn't it i suppose when the the, the character that the whole show is named after and based around dies yeah like, you kind of think in this like it's whether it's um bringing stuff back reunion tours whatever right. it's like it's all the rage now and it yeah. you l- you'd probably think at some point they'd have had a crack at bringing it back if he mm-hmm. was still alive but really what do you any other character in that show could have died you know a lot of them do but um there's one man who couldn't be re- couldn't be replaced and that was him so they probably had no option but to kind of prequel it right because it's uh that you can't do it can't do it without tony soprano
0: yeah no, that's fair. I'm fascinated, though. Do you ever think this is something that they will, with that in mind, like reboot or revisit at some point in time? Or is it one of
1: those, just just leave it alone? I think it's done. I think yeah. it's done, yeah. I always like, if the there are certain people, whether it's in like film or telly or music or whatever, that you can just kind of... Um, Trust, And when they say the band's not getting back together, you just, you yeah. know, most people say that and it's not true, but there are a few, <laughs> yeah. there are a few and you think, oh, I actually believe this guy. Um But yeah. I do think David Chase is the type of, I mean, you know, if you can, if you can be bold enough to do a, to, to pull a black screen to end one of the most famous shows of all time. You can trust him not to go back to it, you know. You could. Uh, yeah. I think I think he's one of those one of those few people who says it and says it and means it. I think we're done for the Sopranos. I think I don't think they they're coming back.
0: No, I think you're right, and it sounds like it's better for it, right? Like it's it's a complete story. It's done. You say sadly the lead actor's passed. So you think. Yeah, but what's to be gained for going back, right?
1: That's it. There's so many of them, though. Like, there's, you know, there's six, is it six seasons? But the sixth one is debatable whether it's like six A and B or whether it's six and seven, right? Because they brought, uh, okay. brought it out in two, not halves. It was more than half, but less than a whole. I think there's like eight episodes in each one or something like that. Um, okay. So you had, you know, they're doing like 10, 12, 13 um, episodes a series for five, six, seven series. And they're all like they're all a good length as well, you know? So even if you're watching it on the, if you're streaming it or watching the DVD without the ad, the adverts, you're still getting 55 minutes, you know, it's a full, a full hour. That's a lot of content. And even someone yeah. who's watched it as much as me, I'll go back and forget, you know, like even episodes that you know, with some things, there's like episodes and you think, like, Oh, I've seen that so many times.
0: Yeah. I never need to watch <laughs> it
1: again. And then when you find yourself watching again, you go, oh, no, actually this is really, really good. I'd kind of like, I'd, I hadn't remembered most of it. Um so yeah, there's enough there, you can just keep going back to it, man. You keep watching it, you don't need any more.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's it sounds like the kind of show where you would, because as you mentioned, all that crossover and all these different storylines popping up and yeah, I often find that when something's had so much thought put into it, that is often something you can get a lot of enjoyment out of rewatching. Because like you say, you'll always spot something new every time. So that's really good to hear. I like that
1: yeah man let's leave it be right let's just leave it yeah. leave things be that's what uh more people we need more people we can trust
0: yeah it's, it's perfect as is just yeah don't touch it that's it
1: that's it
0: i'm just wondering Was there anything else you want to talk about in terms of this show because we've gone all over the map but i've i've really enjoyed talking about this with you
1: oh sick man no i, I wanted to plug the soundtrack that was um because that is something that's that really, one, yeah. really really stands out stands out to me um, and I think, you know, as soon as we stop recording, I'm going to think of loads of like cool little <laughs> anecdotes that, uh, <laughs> that, from it. That's always the way. But no, man, I think we, um, yeah, we, we covered it. We got through it, man. We got through it. It was cool. <laughs> well,
0: I appreciate your time and, and taking me through this. It's been a pleasure to speak with you again, Tom. So... I guess for the, the people listening, if they didn't hear your previous episodes, where can they find you and your wonderful podcast and what you do?
1: Oh, mate. Well, my podcast is called uh, Proper Mental and it's all um, it's all about mental health and mental illness and mental well-being. And you can get it wherever you get this one, wherever you get your podcast from, mm-hmm. you can find Proper Mental um, at Proper Mental Podcast on social media or propermentalpodcast.com.
0: Nice. Awesome. I'll put links into that uh, for people to go and check out. They should, again, award-winning people. Award you winning. should go and check it yeah, out. Yeah. I should have said that. I should
1: have said my award-winning mental health <laughs> yes, podcast. Yes. Is, uh...
0: <laughs> <laughs> Milk it, on <Tom>. Milk <laughs> it for all it's worth. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but genuinely, I think it's a it's a fantastic show. I always learn a lot listening to it. You get some truly fascinating guests coming on with all sorts of experiences and expertise. And, and mental health is just one of those subjects, right? We We all need to educate ourselves on it if it's not even just for our own sakes perhaps for people we know or others around us it's something i think you can never know too much about so i'm glad that you're out there fighting the good fight and getting all these different points of view and things that we can learn from so yeah i highly recommend people go and listen
1: oh mate yeah thank you i really appreciate that i always think it's important to say about mental health that we think when people are struggling with mental health or struggling with mental illness we think that it It brings things in, right? We think that it puts stuff there that that wasn't there before, but that's not what mental illness is. You know, mental illness takes the stuff that we all experience, the same thoughts, the same feelings, the same emotions, and it just blows them up. And sometimes they're out of control, and sometimes we can't access them, and sometimes they're too big, but it's all stuff that's in you anyway. You know, it's a very human experience. Um, Mm. So I think a lot of people can relate to the episodes, even if they haven't experienced anything, because it is essentially is just all, it is the human experience and yeah, yeah I'm, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned about the guests because there's a lot of mental health podcasts and I try my best to come at it a slightly different way and maybe mm. shine a light on the people that don't get shined a light on and talk to the people that have a slightly different um, outlook. You know, you hear mental health podcasts and people think, oh, I'm just going to be like recommending yoga and mindfulness and, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> talking yeah, about yeah. all that stuff. And there's a place for it and it's great, but you ain't going to get that from my, my podcast
0: no no like i say i always come away feeling like i've learned something or there's another area of life that i've never considered or someone else's experience points of view things like that as i said it's it's a really good listen so yeah i'll make sure people go and check that out oh, i'll be plugging of... it heavily <laughs> in the outro mate i
1: appreciate it thank you very much no worries my pleasure
0: and there we have it thank you so much tom for coming onto the podcast and sharing this truly unique and iconic television series with me i hope you guys listening really enjoyed this episode please make sure that you go and check out The Proper Mental Podcast. It is absolutely brilliant. As I said towards the end of the episode there, it deals with a really important subject matter and just the caliber of guests that Tom gets on is nothing short of staggering. And it's just a really informative and fascinating listen. So make sure that you go and check that out. I've left links in the show notes for you to go and do so. Go give him a follow on all the social medias and say hi. I know that as an independent podcaster, he really does appreciate the support that you give him, especially for a podcast that deals with such an important subject matter. So once again, proper mental podcast, go and check it out. Speaking of checking things out, I just wanna say thank you very much for checking out this episode. If this is your first time here at Fundamentals, well, thank you very much for giving us a listen. There are over 70-odd episodes for you to go and check out. And if you are a regular listener, well, thank you again for the support because I really couldn't do it without you guys. If you would like to help the podcast grow and find even more people, then you can do a few simple things to help promote it. The first and most important one is just to tell somebody. Be it a family member, be it a friend, be it your therapist. I mean, I don't know if I would spend that much time on this podcast in therapy because there's more important things to talk about. But you get my point. Just really talk to people, let them know that you found this podcast and what you think of it because really word of mouth is the best way to help it grow. You can, of course, head over to Twitter or Instagram and give it a share and a like and all that good stuff. Or you can head over to your favorite podcatcher and leave me a lovely five star review or rating. This really helps it to grow in the podcasting charts and to basically be recommended for people. I assume, I don't know. Honestly, I'm not sure how algorithms work. All I know is that it helps and every podcast I listen to says it, so it must be true. So yeah, make sure you head over to your favorite podcatcher platform and do that. And if you have done so, please let me know so I can give you a big thank you on the next episode of the podcast. And finally, you can, of course, throw in a few pounds towards the podcast couple of ways of doing that head over to the coffee ko page donate directly to the podcast there or you can head over to t public and red Bubble to get yourself some rather lovely merchandise featuring the wonderful artwork designed by one alex jenkins alex's details are of course in the show notes if you'd like to go and hit him up for some graphic design work or buy his book i learned the other day he has a book it's a children's book and you can find it via the website link that i have left in the show notes And that just about does it from me. I'll be back next week with a brand new guest to the podcast, a guest that I have wanted basically from day one. I'm really, really pleased with how the conversation went. It's about a really unique and interesting sports topic. And it just feels like the perfect episode for the milestone that is the 80th episode of this podcast. So make sure you are here for that next week. Until then, take good care of yourselves have a great week and i will see you all next time